0: So, how's it going, everyone? Today, we have the incredible E.J. Snyder. Um, E.J. is a decorated Army veteran, um, and an overall badass, if I can say. Uh, but where I kind of started realizing the, what E.J. had to offer uh, was through his television shows, Naked Afraid, On There Three Times, Champion, numerous other shows. Whoa, whoa,
1: Four times. Four times. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. uh 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 uh, uh, well, we'll have to see. Sometimes. So,
0: I the first time I watched that, I'm kind of like, man, I don't am I drawn in because they have no clothes on? But then I'm like, well, these aren't random people they are naked. These are people that probably have the skill set at least to even get this far. Yeah, and I watch it. I watch the first season. Watch the second season. And I'm like. The central theme here is, is you. And then you come into one season where a bunch of people couldn't even compete. You came in last minute, yep. and I'm kind of like, okay, who is this guy? So go back to the last March when I start this podcast. I'm like, I need people like this. I want to talk to you because I wasn't aware of your military background or your training and all that stuff. I just knew you as this character yourself on the show. But then I reach out to you and talk to you and these other stuff ideas we're working on. But again, EJ, it's great to have you on here.
1: Well, I appreciate you having me on, John. Um, yeah, my background uh, I grew up in North Jersey, kind of a tough neighborhood, not really the place you'd find somebody that you'd think be a wild man like me getting out there in the outdoors and surviving. Uh, long story, but uh, for the most part, my dad, he was a big outdoorsman, loved hunting, trapping, took me out there. I really fell in love with the outdoors as a young kid, went in the army. Airborne infantry, ranger background. Uh, while I was a ranger instructor in Florida, I actually became the primary survival instructor. I went to formal survival training. Uh, it was something I was kind of into for ranger school. But once I became the guy to, to, to have lead the uh, rangers at my section for survival, I went to Army Sears school. Absolutely just fell in love with the fact that I want to be a guy that can go out there anywhere in the world, survive bad days. During that time, we had Y2K and all the, oh, the world's ending kind of stuff going on. So I did that. I did tracking and uh, went to a tracking course, learned how to man track and, uh, you know, turn that into animal tracking for my hunting days. Uh, and then I just became obsessed with survival and it was something I always wanted to do really well. So I went to different environments all over the world learning how to survive. And when I got out of the Army, I became a contract instructor for about five years for the Special Warfare Center, teaching survival, teaching, you know, future Green Berets how to survive behind enemy lines. And that entails many different things besides just wilderness survival. Right. And uh, I was doing some TV stuff on the side, stunt work, doing some acting. It was a kind of a hobby love of mine as a kid. And then Discovery found me, tried me out for dual survival. Uh, when they uh, were replacing Dave Canterbury, who's a great friend and mentor of mine, uh, and they picked Joe Tedi over me. So they gave me the consolation prize to be filming the pilot of Naked Afraid in Tanzania, Africa with a strange woman I didn't know. And uh, we went out there, and if we didn't figure it out, there wouldn't have been a, a Naked Afraid. So my greatest pride of Naked Afraid is that Kelly Nightlinger and I got it right. And we have all these other people came behind us and got to do this experience that we got. And right. then like you said, uh, I got asked to come back when pe- three people quit the Amazon, knocked out the Amazon, did the first Naked Freight XL, which was 12 people in Colombia. Uh,
0: back in 2019, I
1: did, uh, was sent to the Balkan Mountains for 21 days by myself and survived that. And a little birdie may say that in April, around the 25th, or somewhere, somebody might have went out again for a time, time and see how we do right? And uh, in all that, I also did Season 9 of Dual Survival uh, as the host with uh, my partner, Jeff <laughs> Bell, And I did the first season of uh, First with <coughs> So it's been a, a whirlwind. One, it's been a blessing. And, man, uh I love just getting out there competing in these survival challenges. And, Show people how to get through tough days. You know, I'm a survival instructor on my own. I got my own company, Skullcrusher LLC. I teach survival. I consult. I do trekking guides. All kinds of stuff. Go to ejsnider.com and see everything I'm into. But there you go.
0: Yeah, I mean, so today I'm kind of doing research on you, trying to fill in the cracks here and there. Everything you just said, I'm just—it's kind of like it's almost like you're three different people who lived all these lives, and so. Yeah. Your, first of how did you get your nickname Skull Crusher in the military?
1: Okay, so that, that nickname comes back to when I got bullied as a kid. You know, I didn't just find a bully. I had a pack of bullies getting on me. So for about six months, these kids would pick on me. So I took it upon myself. I, I didn't like it. My stepdad taught me how to box. I got into boxing. I was learning wrestling in school. And then I was too poor to learn how to do karate or pay for karate classes. So anytime one of my little buddies went to judo, jujitsu, taekwondo, I said, hey, teach me what you learned. And I developed MMA before it was even MMA, I'm sure. Uh, it was a very unorthodox style that I fought with, but it gave me the confidence to stand up to these guys. So when I got in the army, I started doing boxing smokers. It was kind of before the uh, advanced hand-to-hand combat system we have now, modeled after. Uh, but I loved it, and so one day I was in the barracks uh, having a. We were at a little barracks party, and there was this known guy who was real a-hole, and he sucker punched people all the time. So I'm just having a conversation with my buddy, drinking beer, and I see this fist come flying by my head, hits my friend square in the eye, breaks his, uh, open up his. Uh, I'm looking at this, and I turn around and see what it's this guy. So I shut him to the ground. I'm like, dude, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and i just like really pissed off. I turn around, look at my friend, and I'm like, dude, we got to get you to the hospital. Next thing you know, some kind of glass object breaks in the back of my head. I don't know if it was a beer mug or a beer bottle to this day, but then I get the bloodless. My eyes turn red. I turn around dude, you're better off. Sandpaper and a grizzly bear's ass messing with me. And I jumped on him. I started hitting him. Back, 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 back. We go to the ground. My buddies pull me off. I'm like, dude, I'm done with you. I went and got my friend to the hospital. He, he needed stitches. So the next day, I'm walking in a formation and you know how you get in the military. you get a... And everyone's like, hey, what's up, Skull What's up, Skull I'm thinking, hey, what's going on? So I fall into formation. I look over to the other Platoon, and there's this guy. The guy's there, his face is all bandaged up. And apparently, he suffered a few fractures from a side 19 cinder block. But I tell everybody, look, I pride myself, I never throw a first punch outside the ring or uh, unless it's combat. But I've thrown a lot of a hell of a lot of last punches in my life. It's incredible.
0: and so. I'm just, I'm just kind of blown away by your military because it's like, obviously you, you get out as an E-9, but you, you live, you have this career, 25 years, uh, Gulf War, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom. Yeah. So this whole time you're accruing kind of your love of what you do now, survival and tracking and all this stuff. And so I guess if you're, as you're doing these classes and trainings, did you find it that you, were there other people you worked with that you kind of, Kind of help you get along. Like, how would you how would you deal with someone if you're the primal survival guy and other right. people around you on your team are up to your level? Is it does it make your job tougher, it's, or is your a, training take over?
1: Right. I mean, you know, we, uh, in the military, we're a different breed altogether. Right. I think I was a different breed even than that. I was very eccentric, very in your face, very loud, led from the front, but I led with my heart. Very emotional guy. Emotions on my sleeve. love my troops. And I, and I treated them like they were my own kids, you know, and I it was a drill sergeant, a ranger instructor. I've got a long list of things that I did that were very, can be in your face. It's a mentality, it's a mindset that you have to, people say, how do you develop the mind? Where does that mental toughness come from? It comes through the trials and tribulations of your life, your career, what you do. So when I get out there, I do not look down the barrel of anybody. You know, anybody can have a great idea. I've had a lot of privates with great ideas in the Army, but even in survival, it's it's a team event, really. You need each other. And you know, I'm used to being on my own, doing it. You know, I'll, if you can't do it, I'm going to be dead myself. Forget about you. But for me to ask for help was something I really learned it in Naked and Afraid, the challenges I've been on. You know, there, everyone has something that can, tri- can contribute. We're not all on the same level, but somebody, I mean, I'm not the best primitive fire starter on the planet. So if there's someone better than, at that than I am, man, you have to leave your ego behind in this situation. There really is no room for ego. So when I'm at certain partners, I look at them, and all I ask is that, look, be honest about your skill set. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be above me. It's not a competition. We're here together. Something important and survive. And my first partner, that was kind of a challenge, but we've come no to terms with it since. Um, but each time I learned a lesson, you know, and and Laura and I, and I killed the eel. And I got to the warrior spirit, because I was gonna she just got done telling me this thing can kill you, EJ. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> And she gets mad because she's like, well, you're coming from a place of anger, which it wasn't. But I understood she's a civilian and didn't understand what the warrior spirit's all about. And so then each time, the first time I was with 12 others and, you know, leadership was, I was out there, you know, using my leadership skills, but I had to do it very subtly. A lot of bush hippies don't want to hear some militant guy coming in there and say, do it this way because it's the right way and so we're going to all make it. Even though they need, sometimes people don't know they need to be led. And they kind of did. And, but my thing in that one uh, was I left there without a sense of, you know, I, I, I felt I was the guy that should have gotten the two together in a better way. And, and we missed that point, and then it just became evident. That me and Jeff were very primal. we were out there. to do survival and not move around or play any games. And they were out there with, not that their strategy was wrong, they Taking it a little bit slower, more paced, and that was fine. Uh, and then I was left by myself, which was fine. I do a lot of things in solitude. I go out all the time by myself, hike, put myself in those situations half my whole life. But what I figured out being by myself in that event, naked, afraid, alone, lonely like man, I had such an appreciation for partners around. <laughs> that challenge because Bulgaria tried to kill me. It would have been nice to have somebody out there with me uh, to help know how bad it sucks because when you go out there, it's always nicer to go out with somebody and suffer with somebody They'll know the rest of your days how bad it was. Uh, You guys, you know, you suffer more. Only they're going to know exactly what you went through. So here I am in Bulgaria and I'm getting my... Uh, Breakout meal. It's time to eat. Yeah, all right, I'm gonna get some chow. And they bring in this whole platter of meat, and the people at the catering's office are like, no you eat all that meat? He will die." And all I said to the guy was, "Look, get me the same meal I got when I went in. It was a big plate of sausages and meat and, and some salad and, and, and rice." I'm like, "That's a tradition for me. I eat the same thing. Like my last meal going out is when I come back." Boston translation. They brought me a platter for 80 people. (laughs) My point is, I'm sitting there in this hotel room by myself and no one to share this victory with but myself. And I was like, wow. So then I happened to get another opportunity, possibly, um, during our times with the pandemic, to go out, get one for the thumb, possibly. I won't say how it all turned out, but. Uh, I was blessed to possibly, I, I was blessed to go back out for a fifth time. which was amazing it, in itself was an adventure that uh, gave me a lot of other things. I didn't, I, after four times going out, you think, what else can you learn? Never think that way, and I don't, because you will always learn something about yourself. You say, you're taking years off your life. Adding years to my life. Right. I'm doing this because I'm learning more about myself. And, what I can take. and more than that, something I never saw coming out of this. i just going out to go naked, do something cool with a knife. Same thing with dual survival. Just get to you know get out there and do some cool things. The hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people we have inspired and influenced to learn survival, learn to take care of themselves across the globe. Has been very, hard. and if i have God's voice for that, His tool, vessel to get that out there, so people, bad days are coming. Get ready. We're seeing it in Texas right now. Um, then I'm, I'm glad that if I'm that guy, and listen, I'm 55 years old. Age is a number. Don't let it stop you. I'm doing double nickels now. I never do the speed limit, but. Sometimes I like to go under the speed, right? Enjoy what seen in life, in the moments, in the breaths, in every step. So, yeah, this has um, been a blessing, and if I'm blessing others through it, amazing. But uh, yeah, 55 years old doesn't stop me. I'm still coming at you. So it's uh,
0: it, your story is just, it is motivating to see you do all this stuff and. I've learned so much, whether it's starting a fire or how to make a trap or how to make a fishing, uh, how to catch fish without th- the tools I'm used to. and Stuff like that where you're kind of, it's amazing. So I guess, is there an area of the world or a location that, one, you would love to do something at? And two, is there an area of the world, if you could avoid it, you would never go back?
1: I always tell them I'm only a phone call away as I was for the Amazon. Right. I literally had six days to get down to the yeah. Amazon and take up the Amazon. They called me up. It's like oh, I got. I'm losing money. We got. We've got three people quit. All the locals say nobody can do it. I'm like, I can do that shit. Hold my beer. So and how do you
0: eventually I- prepare for that in those six days? Because obviously you're trading, you're back, like this yeah. is your alpha, but you still have to prepare for six days, and you don't know what, necessarily what you're jumping into.
1: And this is true to a degree for in, in what you're saying. I go back to my basic survival skills. You know, I train those. I train them all the time and applying the basics of survival. Be really good at several things. Don't get too fancy. Don't overthink it because when they build a better mousetrap, yep. it never works. Is what I say. They're fun to build, but when you're relying to get with it, keep it simple. But I go off my basics of survival, I apply the principles of areas where I go. Most jungles operate the same way. Most swamps operate generally the same way, and then what I do is a quick study. Normally, I take about a seventy-two hour period. I get the books, every book I can, on the fauna and wildlife, and start studying. You know what's edible, what's not. What kind of animals am I going to be dealing with? What do I need to watch out for? You know, and for me, I get so tuned. It's like when I would go into battle before I'd cross the LD, I would take a knee, say a prayer. Just like when you go in, you go in about 10 minutes into the yep. battle, mm-hmm. you, the LD, you do sales. I apply that to survival. And then what I've learned when I was in the Amazon was I need to tap back into my primal self. To with my spirit. And now, you know, you may, some people may call it Jedi powers, <laughs> you know, tap into the universe. It's a real thing. It's a sixth sense that saved my life in battle and saved my keister many times out there in survival where people are mm-hmm. like, aren't you? Really I understand animal wildlife behavior. So I know these things are going to be hanging out. So you avoid them or you do things to prevent it. Uh, you, you set yourself up for success. When you set your shelter up, clear the debris away from your shelter 30 yards. So at night when something's slithering past it, you can oh. see it in the open, get the ash from the fire and sprinkle around the circle. And then you take your leaks. You know, hygiene... I always set up a tree 100 away. But when I'm setting up my, I'm claiming a zone and territory. I'm going to piss around the circle and let the animals know, hey, I'm here. And then, you know, you do all these things to prepare and, and you never change anything. Now, I always wanted to go to Australia. And, you know, in that zone, so I would, uh, there's a lot of dangerous, nasty things in Australia. So I always tell them, send me where no man should walk. That's where I want to go. <laughs> Come oh. out the other side with a tan and a smile. And so there's really no places I will run away from. Um I I you know, every environment has its its strengths, its its weaknesses, its challenges and, and things to overcome. And then it's got all of its rewards if you know where to look. And so one of the coolest things is that you mentioned
0: all these places, but I've heard of some of the shows where it's in the backwoods of Louisiana or the desert of Arizona. It's like, it's literally 20, 30 miles off the main highway for the stores, but out within 20 miles, you are no man's land. That's for me as kind of
1: mind blowing. I love that you said that John. And that is a great point because people are like, Oh, go somewhere exotic, and I love going to exotic places outside the country because I get to put a stamp in my passport. I read a, the magazine outside one time. They're like, "How do you want to um, jumpstart your life?" You know, I don't have a bucket list. I have I'm going to get there list. I don't. Right. The bucket list ends. My list is never going to end. And so I saw in there and said, "You want to make your life interesting? Get a passport and fill it up." So that's what I've been doing. Right. But people don't realize there are some dangerous places here, right here in the United States, that are very exotic. You can get out in, in like you said, in the desert out in, south, in the southwest somewhere, and you can be out 20 miles and, and forget about it. No one's coming there. They, they buried, probably, mafia bodies are buried out there in Nevada. Right. You said Louisiana. Louisiana is like my second home. I love Louisiana. I love the swamps. There. I love the food. I love New Orleans. Got right. But, you know, the Everglades, everyone says, oh, the, the most dangerous swamp in the uh, United States is the Everglades. A lot of bad things there and all that. And that's true, but it's very temperate climate. It's a virtual grocery store. It's a hardware store for survivalists. And yeah, there's some nasty things in there and you got to be ready. But an unforgiving place are the Louisiana swamps, the Atchafalaya uh, swamp basin. I would, I would argue, in my opinion, is the most dangerous swamp in the United States. And I've been in a lot of swamps. Yeah, is nasty, unforgiving, and it's not just the animals that would take you out. It's the weather, the hurricanes, the cold. Um, you know, the nasties you can't see, the pathogens in the water, nutria itch. You want to find something really crazy in your life, look up Nutrient Hitch. Find out what that's all <laughs> like. about. You do not want that kind of stuff. And, you know, hurricanes come in there and they wreck the place. Uh, you think you're walking on solid ground and you're instantly in quicksand or a bog. You think you're walking on a tree branch that's super strong. The things, it looks strong on the outside. bark looks good. Weak as hell. Breaks, you're 10 feet, 20 feet up, forget about it. So, yeah, that we have very dangerous places. You can get up high 14,000 feet in the mountains in the United States, and it's a barren land. Right. On the side of the cliff and one of these winter storms come in. Who would think that Texas, now, they've oh, had,
0: right now
1: they are getting pummeled. And there was a mayor that's resigned recently because he made a remark on Twitter that said, um you know help's not coming for you. You're responsible for your own family, and so you know do you want me to do a bad, not, now when you're a leader you have a leadership responsibility as a political leader to do things, whether it's the pandemic, a natural disaster, terrorist attack, whether inside or outside our country. Uh leadership's leadership. You
0: don't say percent. still confidence why they put you in the job.
1: However, to his his words we have a certain responsibility one one to ourselves, two to our loved ones and three to our neighbors to help there's some great stories coming out where these neighbors uh there was uh they didn't have heat and these neighbors had a fireplace they got this lady uh I, she was an older lady had some health issues got her to the fireplace to get warm that's one greatness when you really help each other you know and you do have a responsibility I always tell people there's three things everyone should know on the planet. Know how to swim. It'll save your life, and you won't drown. Basically, how to swim. That's a survival skill. Two, learn basic first aid. Help yourself, possibly save the life of another. Learn basic survival skills. I don't care if you're doing it from watching TV and self-practicing, watching YouTube videos, reading Find you a quality survival school that's given a course that's affordable. Hopefully, there's the problem with survival now that it's cool. There's a lot of and survival instructors out there. So learn who you're you're getting ready to hire. Find their credentials out. There's there some big schools like Tony Lundeen School out in Arizona. Uh, Dave Canterbury's Pathfinder School. Sigma 3 has a great course. But in lieu of that, you know, some of them are very expensive. There are some people that are doing more affordable. So just know the school you're going to, know the people, do a Google search, best 20, you know, top 20 schools. I, I offer classes, I'm negotiable. I offer basic weekend group, larger group courses. I run, you know, uh, round robins with up to 180 people. And we have five stations. You're better for it. Because if there's just one thing you remember from the naked and afraid or the survival class you went to and it saves your life it's money well spent. You know? So when your life's on the line, people are like oh yeah, I'll spend fifteen hundred dollars. You should do the same thing for your survival tool, your knife. You know, I was in my first episode on uh, that challenge in Tanzania. My knife broke. I swore I'd never let that happen again. There was not the knife I needed on the market. I tested a ton of them. They said the one-two option doesn't exist. Well, it does now. I designed with Topps Knife the SXB Skull Crushers Extreme Blade to throw back to the original I wish I had a good fix. I'm I'm an advocate of a good fixed blade. Now, maybe you don't need one as big as mine, but mine is a chopper. It does small tasks. I created a smaller uh, compatibility blade to go along with. Have a good spear point called the SXS Skullcrusher's Extreme Sidekick. Because every great action hero needs a sidekick, right? right. The SXS, the SXS. But my point is, uh, if that's too big for you, get. I always tell everyone I write for uh, Knives Illustrated. I say they ask, "What's the best survival knife?" Well, one is the one you have in the what you have out here. Yeah, yeah. But two, get the one that works for you, the one you know how to use and can handle without getting hurt. Because there's a learning curve when you pick up something new. Always. Um, I
0: you get fascinated when, when,
1: someone,
0: when someone buys a gun Or something just because they can They just buy the gun They don't trade with it With all these different Nighttime by your bed Well same thing with a knife It's like Why wouldn't you know How to pull out of your thing safely Or how to close it Or how to sharpen it Like stuff like that It's like Why buy something If you're not going to trade with it
1: Yes, You have to know your tools. I carry a lot of different knives for different things on my survival pack. I was a gear guy. That's how you hear him say, well, EJ might not do so well with it. He doesn't have his military gear. Oh, maybe he <laughs> – oh, EJ did really well. He took to primitive survival. It was a skill that I had let slide. It's something I knew, but it wasn't something I ever thought I'd rely on. And uh, that first Naked Afraid I ever did made me go back to the drawing board. I was working at the Sears School. My buddies were down in the survival wing. I went down there, got my one friend who was the best at primitive fire, and said, hey, get me back up to par. Drill me like I am an idiot again, please. Right. And I yeah, love it when you have good friends like that that want to torture you. So we went back to the drawing board, and I, I just re uh, myself to get my skills back up to par. Um, and so with that, I've been teaching so many others. I've taught people that are heading out to Naked Afraid. Uh, they signed up for five day class with me or a weekend, and I get them as on par as I can. And um, I just love teaching people and sharing my experiences and these skills with people. So um, but it is a lot of work and it is time consuming. So I prefer to teach more than less. But uh um, now, would
0: you actually actively kind of looking at these tapes from people going through, like you said, and what, like, what is what goes into these kind of trials to make it to the filming of an episode of Naked and Afraid?
1: In the beginning, you know, when I started with it, they, you know, they recruited me. To Discovery, they found me that way because of you know my skill set, and um, so I will tell you that about the first three seasons, we had pretty much kicked over most of the stones. Of great survivors within the survival community that want to get out, and challenge themselves, former military folks, bushcrafters. Gotcha. So when you look at those first three seasons, you'll see a lot of more quality parents, Nothing against the rest of the seasons afterwards, but it started getting harder because people thought either the show was goofy or that's not real challenge or this or that. You no. Know, the first layer of, survival, of shelter is your clothing. <laughs> and when you take that away, you expose a physical, there's a physical shelter guard plus a psychological shelter. And so it's a really tough challenge. So they asked me around the third season to come on and take over for doing the casting interviews for the PSRs and do the real survival stuff. So when I looked at that and I realized that I was starting to say no to a lot more people, then we we gotta have a we gotta have a show. We gotta have a challenge. We gotta get people out there, and so maybe regular people are looking to challenge themselves. Maybe I need to rethink this. That maybe yes, survival skills are important. And and I saw this girl. She was 16 years old, if I remember, recall her name right. Her first name was April. I think I believe it was April, and she was flying. I believe from Montana to Washington State to the western side. Her grandparents. Uh, where the, uh, they were flying the, the, the and there were two other people besides her on there. And she went down somewhere in that route. A plane crashed into a mountain. And when she came to, everyone was dead except for her. Her and her dad used to watch the survival shows on TV, to include naked and afraid. And what she did at that point was make a plan. She tried to put out signals. She knew help would be coming within a certain amount of time. Then eventually she walked herself out of there. Doing the things she learned from this TV show. And then I realized, look, there's guys cutting their arms off, stuck in crevices, up on mountains. So what does that take? So I took the PSR, I cut it into six in half to six categories. So I took, you know, uh, my mindset, skills, and physical, and I cut all that stuff. What does that mean? Right. So I cut skills in half, I cut mindset in half, and I cut uh, the, the endurance part. Everything you have. So there's six categories. And I weight those from 1 to 10, and then I get everybody an average score, and you get a true PSR. Once they leave me, though, I can't tell you what happens that PSR. Some crazy pink Plinko machine must figure it out after that. But when they leave me, it's a true PSR reading. And that way, it gives people that are mentally strong, that went through some life experiences that were really tough. It says a lot about how they got through it, flexibility, adapt. Are they physically fit? Can they handle like a 21 day beatdown? 40 days? A little longer. Yeah. Free, so you can't go more than three, three minutes without air, three hours without shelter and security, three days without water. Three weeks without. So that's how the show was initially developed and designed. Now you start to talk 40 days. You better have a skill or two. But so I started, I revamped it and I started getting a lot of. We've, got, we've had a lot of great people. You want to hear a great story? Max. You look at Max. I mean, Max was a fan. He went through a yep. fan episode for 14 days. Then he did 21 days tribe episode. He was the only one to finish off of that. Same thing with his uh, a fan episode. Then he went on and did, um, he did the Philippines for 40 days and made it through that. Then he did a, a, an alone episode for 21 days. And then he went out. Uh, I think he went out. I won't say for sure, but Max could have been out there with me for a uh, so knowing these people are out there that are trying to excel and be better and, and, and show what they've got and show their inner grit. That's what I like in a person is mindset and grit. And if you're if you have the right proper say, look, I ain't good for nothing. Right. You look that mindset and any Addiction, life-threatening illness, people bullying you, whatever it is. If you have the right mindset, college, career, winner's you mindset, you're gonna win. Get the grit means I don't care how much sand you throw on my crotch, how barefooted I am, or whatever it is. I'm gonna get through that. And that's another thing that you're either born with or you've got to learn through life. And then physically, hopefully, you know, you've got enough. Um, toughness in your physical body, your makeup, that you don't get sick and you can take the beating because you will get a beating. Uh, I've lost an I immense amount of weight on these, but I do put a lot of weight on these challenges because I'm an old bodybuilder. I know what my body's going to do. And if I don't pack on an extra 20, 25 pounds, it's going to think I'm back in the gym getting ready for a bodybuilding competition and I'm going to be losing weight faster than I
0: What's mm-hmm. the worst injury that's come off with a cast member from that show? I mean, obviously I know people haven't passed and they've had to leave because of injuries, but what is the I, okay. I'm always curious if the TV kind of
1: doesn't right. tell you what really happens. Like, what is the worst? We've had some happened? people we've had some people leave the challenge with all kinds of parasites, all oh, kinds no. of illnesses, bad blood work, uh spinal meningitis, Manu got. Um, the blood version of meningitis had a walk. Uh, Jeff Zouch was almost dead by the time he got to the hospital. Um, Charlie Frattini, I think almost damn near had a heart attack and he had some problems and was stuck in the Philippines. Um, so there's been some really bad close calls. I will say, um, this next uh, Nick and Afraid XL airing probably in late April, early May, probably was the most closest someone's come to death uh, or the most worst injury ever sustained. And uh, just due to infection and other things that could have happened. Uh, and I can only say, I can't say much more about. Um, About it, you all just have to watch, see who it is, and uh, see how it turns out. Now, Uh,
0: when when I I watch movies that are have the secret service or like law enforcement stuff, and I'm very critical of if it's an action movie, I get it like, have some laughs, it's stupid, just action cool, I get it. It would never happen, but it looks great on TV. When you watch, um, and I know you do some movie and TV consulting with your background stuff, but when you were watching tv or something you're not a part of and you see something someone does whether it is reality based or a actual movie or tv show fiction do you kind of go man why didn't they hire me to show like why did not they have hire someone in place like me to really show what really happens or how would people react to stuff
1: yeah i that was the biggest thing i was actually getting ready to retire from the army and i was like i need another career and i loved. You know, I was uh, as a kid. I loved doing the, the plays and doing the acting stuff. And I was like, I always wanted to be a stunt man. My mom said it was that was a stupid idea. I would starve, and so I joined the army. I was like, all right, you don't want me doing that. I'm going to join the army. Get shot at. That'll be fun. Right. And so I I started doing some stuff in life. where I retired, as that was became my hobby because it drove me nuts. I'm like Are these people out there holding the gun the wrong way and this and that. Right. And, you know, there's no, unfortunately, criteria for who they're hiring to do this stuff. And you get some guy that worked in the LAPAO office who was a uh, Air Force guy or on the Air Force, but they, he, he's not going to know how to be an Airborne Ranger or a special operator or a Navy SEAL. The only guys that know how to really do that stuff, you and I could probably pull it off, but it's to get the guys that really do it. Uh, do do? Now, they'll die. Jim Deaver are two of the big names in terms of military advisement on big films. They handle the big stuff, and that's no easy task. I, uh, I I could not pull that off. The the numbers that they do in terms of like Saving Private Ryan. Think about choreographing that battle scene.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, right.
1: Levels above what I could handle, um, but doing some smaller stuff is great. Um, but it does drive me crazy. Uh, in survival, you know, you see people doing a technique, and it's like. That's hokey-dokey, but yeah, it sells TV. And it was like I realized that you don't have a say-so. I'm sitting on the set of lost, playing one of the bad guys, playing one of the freighter boat mercenaries, all camouflaged up, got my flat top going, got my got my M6, uh, my my M4, and we're and I'm doing control pairs, control threes, choo-choo, choo-choo, fighting the others. And the director says, Whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Uh control pairs, that's how we do it. We're professionals. Whoa. No, 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 no. Spray it like a Tommy gun, like those gangsters in Chicago. We need lots of flashing. It, it's gotta be. I'm like, but we don't have a I'll get someone will give you the magazine. Don't worry about it. So I'm sitting there with these monster magazines and I'm, I'm, and they got it the angle so that the guy can just I can drop the magazine and stick another one in, it, stick another one. Ah! I'm like, oh my buddies are gonna kill me. Oh god. He's the director. I'm getting paid to play, so here I am to play, so let's go. So that's when I learned that I probably will not be too happy doing that. I better figure something else out, because even when I watch TV now, I I was watching a show the other day, uh, You know, I've watched some shows, and I see these people just holding the shotgun the wrong way, or it's too heavy for the actress to handle it. It's like, give her a pistol. Why does she have to be cool and hold the shotgun? I get it, she's the lead heroine, but it's just, its even with blanks, it can be dangerous. You know, it's right. like. People have died. they right.
0: I'm it's, not in the military
1: uh, anymore, so I just got to kind of roll with the punches in the world of men. So i try to uh, I try not to go full Bush hippie.
0: <laughs> when I, uh I think the first time I got into this thrill of watching people compete or kind of was the first couple seasons of Survivor. When I oh, like I love Survivor. And after the first couple, of, like I love Rudy, the Marine, or the Marine guy, the military guy, the older guy, yeah. uh, then the guy that got naked the first season. The first couple seasons were great, but then I realized it's on network television. They can't yeah. really do what they want, let's say Discovery or History Channel. And then it kind of like they're manufacturing the drama between yep. oh sleeping with who or talking over yeah. the gossip and backstabbing, which I get's part of a competition, but the real drama should focus on how to start the fire when you have nothing, everything's mm-hmm. wet, or there are this, whatever yeah, whatever. So I ever after
1: about season 12 where they think that's where they put the line for what they call old school versus new school. Right. And they started trying these different gimmicks that didn't work. And you could even argue after All-Stars, it kind of went off the rail a little bit. They were just starting to cast more prettiness and this and that and not real people. But because I was cast for season 21, I think, of Survivor, naked uh, Nicaragua, the over-40, under-30 season. And that's when I had just got out of the Army. I was uh, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to finally get on my show. You know, I've been on their radar for a while, applied for years. And um, they replaced me at the last minute when Jimmy Johnson, the football coach, cleared his medicals. So I don't know if that was God intervening or the spirit (laughs) saying, hey, we got something better for you. But I kept putting my name out there. I had everybody from, <clears throat> even I was even cast for a season of Big Brother of all things. Thank God they replaced me on that one. Uh, but it, I, I I even hung up on them three times. And said, I hate your show. I don't want to be part of it. And they're like, oh, you'll be a great villain. We love you. will yeah, be like, keep hanging yeah, up on us. Bro. Yeah, you stick me in a house with Ken and Barbie dolls. Shit's gonna get broke. And. All those were stepping stones to my casting process to different shows and different casting agents, uh, figuring out who I was to give me other opportunities. So it's um, been a really crazy roller coaster journey to land myself in Discovery Channel uh, as a main face for the, this series. You know, some call me the Godfather, Naked Afraid. You know, it's just I have a very recognizable face and uh, way I present myself, some say the WWE of, of survival. It's I'm big, I'm loud. This way, Stafford wanted me to race him in Thailand because I was this brashish, uh stereotypical GI that you know is allowed. And they're they're going to come bullish at this thing, and I'm going to beat him at his own game, and that kind of thing. So it's TV. You've got to sell soap, suds, and cars is what I tell everybody. And they get mad that you don't see enough survival on TV, and we do as well. Uh, but the editors have control of it. you got 509 hours for a 21-day episode. That's just on the main camera. That's not counting diary cameras, camp cameras, GoPros, and and game cams to cut 43 minutes. Uh, and then I think it was 1,090 hours. No, it's more than that for the 40 days because you've got 40 days out there. So it was, yeah, it was like 1,090 hours, but that's just one camera. There's so many cameras out there now. It's crazy. And they're everywhere. In some
0: of these locations where you, you end up killing an animal or something, is there, like, how is it? I mean, like, if you're in the state side, you have to kill an animal. Like, does PETA get involved in organizations like that? They're that making sure if this content goes out, that you're killing this animal, like, well, legally, but, like, in a proper way? Like,
1: I'm Well, they will, it. they will edit. They have edit rules of what and how they can show it, okay. and they, they're very respectful. I mean, even on First Man Out, uh, we are we very concerned with that because it was an international show. Right. Uh, you go to different countries. You have to follow their laws. Um, when I went to Bulgaria, uh, again, I the last lost translation of Bulgarian to English, Oh, yeah, yeah. Come out there, it's great. There's lots of things you can see, you can move, kill everything. And this is not a new Okay, great. We get out there. There are so many rules of protecting. First of all, most of the small mammals that are in the are all protected. You cannot, you can't trap or snare an animal unless you're serving the trap 24 7. We can't use cordage, which animals always and if I would have killed one of the hogs, there's a chance that I would have one that was infected with a brain-eating parasite that would have killed the So we find these things out when you're like, uh, okay, yeah, VJ kills one. We might have to test that before he actually consumes it unless he can get his fire up to 200-something degrees and kill the thing just like they do with leprosy. It's, it's, there's a lot of rules that you can't do this and all it's like well, looks like I'm going to be vegetarian on this one. Which I was, if it wasn't for my knowledge of wild animals in the area. The study I did, I had stinging nettles, wild plums, wild apples, blueberries, blackberries. Right. Other than that made it. Walnuts were my main protein. I did have a little bit of fish, so I guess I was a really vegetarian. But that's why I, I get these people. I cast them, and I love when they come in to, to, to tell me the interview. Oh, so so give me a little background on how you grew up, where you guys got your skills. Survival training, military, whatever. Just give me a brief background. Well, I grew up building forts as a kid, you know, I was outside all the time. And is, uh, okay, you're 47. What's the last time you were out? I was 12. I was camping with my dad. I'm like, and hey, you thought this was the challenge for you to sign up to go 21 days completely naked with one item? Thank you very much for playing. I mean, it's just, and I, I love their ambition without course, the force, of course. But I have to have you honestly look at these people because I'm about to assign you to John here. And if you can't bring anything to the table, how's that fair to John? And I want people to be challenged. So I have to really diligently be responsible. I I a lot of responsibility put on myself that sure when they pass me, they're going to the next casting phase. Then it's on them to be interesting enough or crazy looking or be funny or whatever to get cast. But if they're going out there, gonna have, uh, I owe it to them and their partners to right. have something to bring to the table. And uh, even if it's being very funny and, and, and taking everything lighthearted and, and get through it. and We've got a lot of people quit over the last few seasons because um, <laughs> we had to bring in other people to, to cast me. I'm not saying I'm the, it's so great because they're all back up to me, but, uh Thankfully, I was school and was in a I got to I was an infantry guy, I got to go to schools so question people, profile them, read them so I can you know, play the part of the interrogator. But those skills I had no idea were going to be used later on to show to make sure that they have what it takes, they're not lying to me and you know because we've had some people with causes trying to get on the show, and this, this is that's not what we're about. We're about putting two people out there that have an experience that the audience can get on with, and find some of the they relate to, that right. they live through us, or whatever, or learn from us. I probably got off a little bit off the rails <laughs> with the first question you asked me, but um, you know, all good stuff.
0: No, I love it, and I guess my last question kind of really is. You obviously, Naked it Afraid is on Discovery Channel, but these other networks like, say, History or National Geographic or Disney or TNT or whatever these other networks you've been a part of, are you tied into Discovery or what if what if the show alone, which I think is on a different network, was like, okay. yes, could you, could you yeah, yeah. come out and do this or you do you have to ask Discovery, here's- hey, out of respect to Naked Afraid, the brand, right. could I do this show?
1: Right. Well, here's what happens. It's all about contract. It's all about That's having all a great a great manager or an attorney on your side who knows how to negotiate these things and make sure your exclusivity disappears once the show ends or shortly thereafter. Uh, the, the contracts say for like Survivor and CBS or so draconian, they, can, they own you for like three years. When I first did my first stuff with uh, Naked Afraid, they practically owned me for quite a while. And then I had the second um, opportunity come up and I got myself a manager uh who's also an attorney and um he renegotiated to make sure my exclusivity was next to nothing so if you want to go do another show or whatever discovery if you're in contract exclusivity period they'll have a first right of refusal period to if you get offered something they can match it and if they can't match it they can let you go for the other opportunity so i had that happen for ultimate survival alaska unfortunately by the time discovery said i could go do that race uh, I had less than a week to get up there and get all my sponsors to get me my gear because you had to have your own gear.
0: Right.
1: Uh, right. I had some gear to give you. so I was like, "Well, I'm not going to go because I'm I'm not going to be prepared." Right. Uh, alone has the the casting people want me out. In, 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 on that show. The problem is, uh, History Channel is like, "Oh, well, we don't cross network or cross don't have any negative free people on our show," which I laughed and I said to. But you have me auditioning all the time to host other shows that are on History Channel. So what's the problem? <laughs> You'll be out there forever. It wouldn't be fair to the others. So I'm like, well, just let me have my knife and the other ten common items everybody gets. I'll go out there with just my knife and those ten common items, and everybody else can have their ten items that they choose to bring. And we'll see how we go if you want to make it fair that way. We'll just let us all. Let me go in there for you know go in there first and then <laughs> get off the boat. Oh by the way, you J Snyder's out here. They can all get on the boat and give me the, the, the half million dollars <laughs> and we can all go home early. But <laughs> <laughs> I really would love that challenge, just to challenge myself. I've gone out for long periods of time. I've been in the wild by myself for long periods of time. And I think, you know, hundred days in the Arctic. is and my hats off to all those that have accomplished that because that is really something. And isolation, part of the laws of trees is humans cannot be by themselves for more than three months. And the reason is is we start to go crazy unless you're eccentric enough to entertain yourself and can pull it off and, and understand that the camera's your friend. That's your Wilson, as in Castaway Wilson. Uh, and and you're talking to the audience and relating to them. And that takes a special kind of person to be able to do it. And not many can. Uh, but that alone show is an amazing uh, uh, I've got a lot of friends from that from that series and um, you know they're they're different things and, and we afraid said, oh, you're Naked Afraid we're afraid alone, I was like, Man, I wish you would have named it something else because you know, naked afraid should maybe solo or Right. Something like that, uh, other than the alone title, because people are like, oh, they're alone. Uh, alone's alone. People just get into semantics over naming conventions. And I was just like, just watch it for what it, what it is. So Now,
0: before, before I let you go, where can people kind of find you on social media, Instagram, Twitter? Your website's great, kind of lays out everything you talked about, your training, your classes, and your gear. Is there anything else that uh, people can find
1: you at? Web- Website's updating. Uh, continuously, it's a living, breathing thing. So it's www.ejstair.com. There are social media links there. I'm launching into my YouTube channel this year to rebuild it. It uh, was taken down for a while, got hacked out of discovery imaging, all that. So I'm going to read, I'm working on that this year. Um, for all my social medias, there's links there, but you can go to Twitter and Instagram at EJ Snyder, three, three, three on Facebook, go to EJ skull crusher Snyder. Got 97,000 followers there. That's how you'll know you're at the right page. Don't go to my personal page. I don't even use it anymore. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Other Social media is out now. I'm on. Cameo. If You want a shout out? For your loved one, go look me up on cameo and I'll give you a birthday shout out or a celebratory. Now for
0: that cameo, they don't have you be like, "Hey, can you say this naked?" Do they?
1: Um, uh, some have asked me to. <laughs> uh, I don't have a blur machine yet, but I'm working on it. But I will get kind of naked and put a big leaf up if you want. You know, yeah. right? it may cost you a little extra, a better tip possibly. Uh,
0: yeah, for yes. sure, based, based on, on the leaf. You
1: get your favorite. You know, if you're. If you're Husbands or wife is a fan of the show. Uh, There's a bunch of us on there. It's a great way to go. So, yeah, look us go to TJCenter.com. We've got a lot of things getting ready to pop here. My knife is on uh, TopSknives.com. And uh, we're looking at some uh, – got some food brands. I've been looking at some food because water and food are are some critical things that I think and if you have it right, you know, like in Texas, they're complaining about people who can't get fresh water. Right. Get a water bottle, some other water system, and make sure you can have fresh water, like a water bottle. Or uh and when it comes down to food, uh good nutritional food that Mountain House, uh, all the other brands that are out there, the hikers use the backpackers, high in sodium, high in fat, not very nutritious, not a lot of good protein like hard protein eating but when you get a product like aftershock or skull pressure survival foods or um, nutrient survival food, you're getting ready to start working with high nutrition high vitamins even our cookies have high protein and vitamins in them Can you believe that you can eat a chocolate chip cookie and get all the protein and vitamins when you're surviving, your body is a machine Good pure water and food intake is critical to keep you going. Love it. And so
0: we also have something to look forward to uh, mid-April, maybe end of April, uh, possibly, with uh, yeah, maybe, or someone, maybe someone Plus. like you.
1: Get Discovery Plus. Get it early, and you get some free early viewing of these things.
0: Uh, I love it. And uh, well, EJ, this has been great. I want to thank you. I'll have you on to get to after that uh, thing that I comes out or whatever. And uh, but be safe. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your service to the country. And uh, I was thanks for what you're doing, John. And God.
1: I kind of heard that we might be putting out some survival training together.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll talk about that uh, end of April mid- or beginning of May. But uh, yeah. Great, man for me to have the opportunity to train with someone like you and, and have maybe help uh, have other people see that being trained by you. Like it's, it's just, I do think it's, everyone should get this type of training, whether it's learning how to start a fire or, yeah. Or building a, a, a home with sticks or how to trap, just stuff like that. Where it's yeah,
1: really- And that's what I'm into is the basics of survival and making sure everybody knows how to get a roof over your head, get some fire going, get some water in your system long enough to be saved and how to build a good survival kit so that if you're, you know, you're, you're the mom in the van gets driven off the road in a winter situation, you know what to do. And that's, I love training the common people. I love people that where this is out of their reach of affordability. I try to make it affordable because I want everyone should know how to save the lives of themselves and others. And so with some basic, good techniques, good survival kit, Knowing how to put a roof over your head or, or make something work for shelter. Get a fire going in, in one of many ways, whether it's jumping the car battery or using a fire starter, and good, clean, fresh drinking water. Uh, food, you'll figure that out when you get hungry enough. That's what I always tell everybody. Have a good one, EJ.
0: Thank you for this. Take care,
1: John. Yep. Yeah!
0: It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash
1: Kid podcast. That's right. Find us at the cashkidpodcast.com or listen in on places like Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Spotify or YouTube. Do did